tonight's the Wednesday night that we uh, kind of veer off from Psalms. Uh, we talked about, I guess it was two Wednesday nights ago, about living our Christian life and how we can live a life uh, like we're supposed to in this dark world. And, you know, it's not easy. But uh, Peter starts off by telling us um, in chapter 2 of 1 Peter that we have to uh, realize that we're pilgrims, we're sojourners, we don't belong in this world, realize that we, uh, there's a war against the flesh, against fleshly desires that we're going to have to fight against uh, each and every day. We're going to talk about uh, some of that tonight. Um, you know, it's not a, an easy thing to do, but it is a possible thing to do. And we need to know how to be the best example that we can be as a Christian, don't we? We need to make sure our light is shining like it's supposed to in this dark world. And um, sometimes it may be things that's not uh, easy for us to do. And I think tonight is going to be one of those things that we talk about. But we're going to talk about submission uh, tonight. Uh, do I have First Peter 2 or Mark 12 first? Okay. Uh, let's start and read our text first. It's 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 13. Peter says this, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men." as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. So as, as Peter is, is, is kind of walking us through how we're to walk through this world of darkness, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, he says, okay, here's what you've got to realize. You don't belong here, and that there's a battle that's going on. And he says, here, basically... Be good. Just be good. You know, when we think about, and I think sometimes as Christians, when we talk to denominations or we talk to people in the world, and uh, um, they say, well, I'm a good person. Sometimes we go against that and say, well, being good is not good enough. And that's true in a sense of you still have to obey God. But I think sometimes we forget, as Christians, part of being a Christian is being good. <laughs> I think we forget to be good. I think sometimes we're not as good as we should be. Sometimes we act like the world. We get caught up in the things of the world. And um, we have to think about how does that look uh, from a world perspective, a, a perspective of a world that's in darkness, that's supposed to be looking at the light. Are they seeing what they're supposed to see? And that's what I want us to get into uh, tonight. But I want us to start because we're going to be talking about um, civil obedience. That's, that's probably the most of the thing that, that Peter's talking about in this particular text. And that's not an easy thing, especially in the climate that we live in today as far as the political climate and the world we live in. But I want us to see, was it uh, uh, really any different when Peter wrote this? But notice uh, what happens here in Mark chapter 12. One day a group of Pharisees and Herodians came to Jesus and they asked him a question trying to trap him. He says, Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch him, this is Mark 12, to catch him in his words. When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of men, 
but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing the hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a Daenerys that I may see it. So they brought it and said to him, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. So notice what they're doing here. They're, they're coming up to test Jesus about a political issue here. And they're asking him, okay, do we pay taxes to Caesar or don't we? Now, they think they've got him trapped because if he says don't pay taxes, well, first, if he says pay taxes, who's he going to make mad? He's going to make all the Jews mad because they don't want to pay taxes because they, they'll figure they'll be honoring that inscription that's on there over God. So they don't... They don't want to pay taxes. If he says pay taxes, then they're going to make them mad. If he says don't pay taxes, who's he going to make mad? He's going to make the Romans mad, aren't they? So they think they've got him in a pickle here. But what Jesus does in one sentence, just one little sentence, here's what he does. He legitimizes the government, but yet doesn't dethrone God. Have you ever thought about that? He, he, he actually, in one little sentence here, he, he, he's, he's legitimizing a government. He's recognizing that government. Give Caesar what, what's due to Caesar and God, God. But he doesn't dethrone God to do it. In other words, it's not an either-or thing. You know, if we follow, if we practice civil obedience, it, it's not dishonoring God. And that's what Peter is going to talk about here. Now, this is a, a subject that, I'll be honest, is hard for me. Because I get, I get excited, I get upset, I see what's going on in the world, I, I watch TV, I listen to news radio, going to work, from work, going to lunch, come back to work. Unless Mike's in there, and then I have to change it. But if he's in the car with me. But, uh, I mean, I, that's all I listen to is talk radio. I quit watching the news, but I still listen to talk radio, and I get just furious what I listen to sometimes, and I think, well, here's what I need to do, or I'm going to do this. There's nothing wrong with getting upset. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything the government does, but there is a way in which we respond. There is a way in which we live our lives still in civil obedience. And when we talk about living in this dark world, I believe that's a big part of it because we have to deal with this on a daily basis, don't we? We have to live in this world, so how do we do that? How do we live in the country we live in, in the political climate we live in, in the dark world we live in? How do we do that and still be the Christian that God wants us to be? Well, it, it goes back to just being good. That's what Peter is going uh, uh, to discuss here. We, we, we see that government may not be explicitly Christian, but it doesn't mean that uh, all government is bad. And I think the things that Peter is going to talk about here is it's not about whether government's good or bad. It's not about whether we agree with government. It's about our responsibility toward God. And that includes government and that includes how we live our life. Because we can go back. Notice, when we think about government, government is government a biblical idea? Let's, let's start right there. Is it a biblical principle? Well, yeah, we could go back to the very beginning of Adam and Eve. What did he tell them? He said, you multiply and you subdue the earth. Is government one way of doing that? 
I think we can go all the way back to, to Adam and Eve with this. We can go back to Jeremiah. Uh, Israel became a nation when in exile Jeremiah said this, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Now notice what Paul says in Romans 13 and 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So there is a way to live a distinctively Christian life in relation to any particular government. Um, it may not be an easy thing to do. It, it may be something that can be difficult because we let our emotions and we let a lot of things uh, uh, get out of hand sometimes. But Jesus said it was so. Jeremiah said it was so. Paul said it was so. And now Peter is saying it so, right? All through God's Word. Now, now as we go through this, I don't want us to misunderstand something. There may come a time where there has to be civil disobedience but there's still a way in which that takes place also we could go back to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did they disobey government? Hmm? they did they absolutely did they had to pray or, or to uh, uh, bow down to this idol and they didn't do it but how did they handle it? did they go out and start a riot? did they start okay we're going to overthrow the king they went to the, they, they just stood up. They made a decision. We can't do this because this actually violates what God says to do. We can't bow down to this idol. But how they did it was interesting. They made a decision and they did it. They, the, the king confronted them, so they uh, talked back to the king and said, We're not going to do this, and our God's going to be able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to do this because they're saying this goes against God. Look, look how they did that. They took a stand. They didn't cause a riot. They didn't loot. They didn't, you know, do all this. They just took a stand. And, and we know how it turned out. Daniel, did Daniel practice civil disobedience? Yeah. There was a decree that was made. You couldn't pray to anybody else but the king there. David, what did he do? Did he start a riot? Did, no, Daniel didn't do any of that. He went up to his uh, rooms, raised the windows, and he prayed as was his custom. And he was thrown in the lion's den because of it. He didn't cause a ruckus about it, but he did what God said to do. What about when they arrested Peter? And they remember, don't you preach in the name of God anymore. What did they tell him in Acts? We've got those that obey God rather than man. Did they? Is that civil disobedience? Well, yeah, they went against it. But it's how they did it. So I don't want you to misunderstand as we go through this that if, if the government or leadership was to pass something that directly violated God's word, that we have to do that. that. That we can't practice civil disobedience there. But there's a way in which that is done. Because how we handle that is going to be viewed by the world, isn't it? Are we going to act just like the world acts? Are we going to do everything like the world does? Are we going to loot and rob and steal and, and protest and, and shoot people and, and kill policemen? We, I mean, whatever it is that we're doing. Storm the Capitol? I don't know. How are Christians supposed to act? That's what Peter is talking about here. Because, and I think I may be jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but think about the climate in which Peter was writing. What about Nero? Was Nero a pretty bad guy? He started a persecution against, uh, against Christians that was unprecedented, really. This is the time in which we're talking here. So it ain't like 
we've got it worse than they had it here. Pilate, what did Pilate do? Crucified Jesus. You know, he, he, he gave them over to him to crucify him. And we can go through uh, uh, Felix, put Paul into prison. So we can see that there was bad leaders all throughout history. So this isn't something that's, that's just common for our time. So we can't say, yeah, but the Bible, that was for back then. That don't apply now. Well, I think it was worse back then, actually, don't you? But this is still what Peter wrote through inspiration of the, of the uh, Scriptures. So I want us to go through this, and I want you to keep in mind here what we're talking about. Don't jump ahead and think, well, Ronald's going to say this or going to say this. I want us to really think about what Peter is saying in the context in which he's saying it about how we're to live our Christian life within the climate that we're in. In other words, in this dark world that we're living, how are Christians supposed to be? Well, we could go back to 1 Peter 1 and 3. Notice what he says. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, of Jesus Christ from the dead. Then you jump to chapter 2. In verse 10 he says this, Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter aims to show that God's mercy has a practical, should have a practical impact on our life. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't we live our life in view of God's mercy and, and the mercy that God has shown? I, I think we should, and I think that's what Peter was discussing in the first part of the, uh, of the book here. Then you get into... Uh, where we're at here in verse 13 of chapter 2. Thus far, Peter hadn't really said a lot about what we're supposed to do. He just basically talked about this is what God did. Now in view of what God has done, how should we be in, in view of what we've obtained from God? So he starts here in verse 13. And notice what the first few words there are. Therefore submit yourself. It gets difficult right off the bat, don't it? I think if I was going to, um, to start out a, a section here, a new section, I don't know that I would use those words because when it comes to submit, that, that's kind of an awful word when you think about it in our terms. The problem that I have and a lot of people have is we don't like to submit to anything. That word submit becomes, you know, I give in, I'm just rolling over, I'm, especially when he's talking about submitting to the government or to leaderships, we're thinking, oh, that means I'm passive, that means I'm giving in, that means I'm just rolling over and doing whatever. It, it has that kind of uh, uh, thought to it, so we don't want any part of that. But Peter here is, I think the reason he is doing this is because what he said thus far is talking about God's mercy and talking about how we've obtained. We're, we're, we're a royal nation. We're, we're uh, a possession of God. You know, all these eternal things, sometimes we might get to thinking, okay, this world doesn't mean anything. Uh, this world doesn't mean anything to us. And if it doesn't mean anything to us, then I, I'm, just, I'm just going to not be any part of it. I'm not going to be involved in anything. So I think Peter knows here, and the Holy Spirit is writing through them, that Okay, Christians may take that kind of attitude, but our citizenship is in heaven, right? But do we have a dual citizenship? 
where are we also citizens of? Here. We have to live here. We have to be part of this world. So we want to live in this world the very best that we can. And we have a purpose in this world. We have a reason to be in this world. And we have a, a mission to accomplish in this world. So we can't just back off and say, well, I'm not going to have any part of it. So since we know we have to have a part of it, how are we supposed to act? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to be a part of this? And this is how Peter starts out. He says, therefore, submit yourself. And he says in verse 11 how he does it is, Peter knows that it's a hard pill to swallow. That's why I think he says in verse 11, beloved, I beg you. I think he knows it's going to be a problem. I think it was a problem then when he was writing it. And I think it's a problem for us today. And he's saying, I beg you. Just like Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Paul is, is stressing, this is so important. I'm begging you to do this because this is how you're supposed to live your life, right? A living sacrifice. And I think Peter is starting out the same way. You're going to have to live in this world and you're going to face these things, I beg of you, do it this way. Because this is how God wants us to do it. And I tell you, I think he knew it. it's, a, it's a pretty tough pill to swallow. But Peter here, he's, I think he's expanding on his call from verse 12 uh, when he talks about keeping our conduct honorable. Now the same word used for honorable is used in other parts of the Bible. It means uh, beautiful, it can mean praiseworthy, it can mean pleasing, it can be excellent. As we engage in, in worldly matters, uh, matters, as we engage in government matters, as we engage in all the things that we have to, to engage in in this world, he says you do it in an honorable manner. You do it in a praiseworthy manner. You do it in a, a beautiful manner. That's what he's saying, dude. That's our responsibility as a Christian. When we're involved in anything, in this world, you do it in a praiseworthy manner. And I tell you, when I was studying this, I'm thinking, do I do that? Do I do everything that I do? Do I do it in a praiseworthy manner? Especially when it comes to civil obedience. I don't know that I do that in a praiseworthy manner. I think I'm right there with the, with the other ones. Okay, which crowd are you in? Which one do you, uh, uh, which, which thought do you have? Are you over here in this group? Are you over here in this group? Here, I've got some thoughts for this group, and I've got some thoughts for this. You know, I think we get caught up in that. Do we do anything like that? Is that a praiseworthy manner? And I think we've got to be careful and, and think about that as we go through this. Uh, <coughs> we have an opportunity as Christians, to bring about peace. What does the Bible say that we should do when it comes to peace? As as much as possible to us, what are we supposed to do? Live peacefully. Is that easy to do? What if there's arguments and disagreements? What if there's something I can do to bring peace to that? Or do I bring fuel to the fire? I think probably I bring fuel to the fire. I think I'm wanting to get engaged in it, so I'm bringing a little more liquid fuel here to get this charged up a little bit more. I think that's what happens sometimes. Instead of thinking, how can I, can I engage in this? Can I participate this and bring a peaceful environment to it? If I can't, I may not, I may not should be involved in it. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is living the same. Yeah, Brian said this. Yeah. And it just gets out of hand. 
something like that's no different than gossip, is it? What if some gossip is going on over here? Can I bring a peaceful outcome to it, or am I just going to engage in it? I think it's the same thing that he's talking about here. Yeah. 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 And I think this ties in with what we talked about two weeks ago when he talked about there is a, that we've got to abstain and, and fight against these fleshly desires. Again, I think when we think fleshly desires, we go, I think, automatically to sexual things, the, the desires of the flesh when it comes to those matters. But I think what he's talking about in this context is those fleshly desires to want to engage in things like this, to engage in arguments, to disagree, to cause disruption, and, and things like this, to not be submissive. I, my desire is not to be, it, it, one of my desires is not to be submissive. I think it's to, you don't tell me what to do. That's my desire. Right. Uh, again, there, I can have an objection. I can disagree with my government, my leaders, whatever level they are, and not cause a riot, not cause a disturbance, not cause an insurrection, I guess. You know, I, I, I can do that. Now, there may be a time that has to be. You know, there, there may be a time that it comes so much against God's word that we have to be like those three. We have to stand up and say, I'm not doing it. If you throw me in the fire, you throw me in the fire, but I'm not doing it. You, you put me at the firing squad, you throw me in jail. I, I'm not doing that because that goes against God. There may be a time that comes, but right now most of these things, and, and I think here's what happens. Most of these things don't happen as a riot or an insurrection. Most of these things happen as... Uh, a Facebook comment, doesn't it? Uh, you know, with today's technology, it's it's more on social media. It's things of uh, of this nature that kind of happens. It's a little more subtle uh, of things that we get engaged in, and we can get into some pretty good, uh, pretty good arguments that way. But so, what good does submission do uh, in circumstances where? Uh, in circumstances where we don't agree, where, um, you know, there. Think about the time in which Peter wrote this, and, and especially in the first century, to where, you know, you've got Christianity coming, you know, it, it's new. It, they're having a hard time putting this, this group into a category, and, and they don't know exactly what to do with it. And. You know, they, there's some misunderstanding about Christians where they thought they were cannibals because they thought they were coming together and, and, and eating flesh. You know, they had a misunderstanding about communion. So they thought they were drinking blood and eating flesh. So here's these, here's these rabble-rousers or whatever, and they're over here. Some of them, I think, they're cannibals. Some of them, so here's what it was. I think in that time, the world, just like today, has a very misunderstanding about what Christianity is. So when these things come up, and they're, they're wanting to deal with them, they're wanting to deal with them harshly, they're wanting to deal with them right now, they don't know what to do with this bunch of Christians that's turning the world upside down, that's following the way. They don't know what to do with them. So when all this is going on, all this misunderstanding, and we have an opportunity to bring Christianity to light in those moments, 
Are we bringing more confusion or are we bringing, uh, uh, bringing what the true light is? Are we bringing an understanding of what Christianity is? Because the world out there, just listen to the news. They don't have a clue what Christianity is. They'll get somebody over here to say, well, this group over here, that's what they do. They're a cult. This group over here, they do this. This group here, they, they don't really talk to someone or study to find out this is who they are. So we got to take those opportunities to show that. And sometimes it's in the middle of these battles. What are we going to show? Bill, you had something? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and the Bible teaches that's, you know, during Jesus being arrested, what Peter did. You know, Peter did, I think, what most of us would have done at that time, grab a sword and start fighting. Jesus said, that's not my kingdom. That's not what I come to do. You know, he didn't have to submit to the government and be crucified, but there was a plan, there was a purpose, there was an example to set, there was salvation to, uh, uh, to bring forth. We've got that same obligation when it comes to the influence and the example that we set in the world in which we live. And Peter goes on. I'm going to get into the lesson. But Peter goes on. And I think he's given us three uh, truths, I think, that will help us uh, maybe follow what he wants us to. Notice here verses 13 and 14. He says, Therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Why is Peter talking about this? You know, again, if I was writing this, I sure wouldn't start this off with submission. But again, I think Peter knows that this is going to be a problem. This is going to be an issue. But notice, so Peter says... Be subject here. Be in submission. Now we need a, a, a motivator, I believe. If, if he's going to tell me to be submissive, I need some kind of motivation to do that. I, I, can't, I, I mean, just because somebody says be submissive, that's not enough motivation to do it, quite honestly. But, but God didn't leave it at that. Peter didn't leave it at that. Peter said, be submissive. Notice, therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man. Why? Why does he say? For the Lord's sake. Not for that person's sake. Not for our sake. Peter didn't say this for his sake. He said for the Lord's sake. I'm not being submissive for the person that I don't agree with. I'm not doing it for them. You know, I'm not doing it because some superpower is cohorsing me. Is that right? Did I say that right? Cohorse? Coerce, coerce. Because someone's making me do it. That's a better word for me to use. I'm not doing it because some superpower's making me do it. I'm not doing it because it's in my nature to do it. I'm doing it because God wants me to do it. That's the key to it. I, you know, I don't... Uh, the first thing I ask, I, I do it is, you know, we think, 
well, I'm going to do this. Let me find out what the consequences are if I don't do it. That's not what I'm doing. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. What matters is, am I doing it? But What reason am I doing it? I'm doing it because that's what God says for me to do. We look first to God. We submit for His sake. We don't look at ourselves first. We don't look at that individual first. We don't look at the circumstances first. We always look at God first. So I'm doing this for the Lord's sake. I'm not doing it for their sake. Now, yeah. Yeah, that's the foundation. The will of God is the foundation part. We're on motivation. We're going to get there. <laughs> uh, we got, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be foundation or motivation, foundation, and then our advantage. We've got the motivation. The motivation's for the Lord's sake. The foundation is because it's the will of God. I want to do it because I'm doing it for the Lord's sake, and I'm doing it because it's the will of God to do it. And two, I've got the freedom to do it. He talks about freedom here. Uh, Christians are supposed to live differently than everyone else. And, if, and to me, what better way to show it is this way. This is how we live differently. This is how we do our life differently is because we're doing it um, for the Lord's sake. Now, we can, uh, we're going to find it difficult to live this passage out, I believe. Um, well, let me just say, I can't speak for you. I find this difficult to live out. You know, there, there's things that God asks us to do that's not easy to do because it may go against our nature, may go against our mentality sometimes, but we've got to remember, it's not my will anymore, is it? It's His will. I'm, I'm shining my light in this world of darkness. But we've got to remember the context in which Peter wrote this. Uh, the rulers of his day, a whole lot worse than what we're, we've got going on right now. It may get to that point, but, you know, as bad as Biden is, I don't think he's a Nero. You know, as bad as he is, I don't think he's a pilot. You know, I, I, I think there's, there's, there could be worse individuals out there. I may disagree. But here's the thing. We know as Christians what we should stand against. We know what, what God says about abortion. We know what God says about homosexuality. We know what God says about this. But you know what most of the, most of the arguments are about that Christians overstep or outstep where we should be. It's not over those things anyway. We know what that should be. What it's usually over is just policies sometimes. It, I tell you what it is, it gets into this right here, don't it? When it starts getting into that, that's when we start having some issues. That's when we start disagreeing more. That's when we can start arguing. You start dipping in our wallet. I can agree with a lot of things till you get in my wallet. You start getting into my wallet, then it gets a little different. And I think, I think Peter know, knew this. I think he's writing this because it's the same thing. The Jews didn't want to pay taxes. I mean, they were being taxed to death, literally. And we think, well, I, I don't want to pay for this, or I look, I've just it's always been like this, even worse. So we all face these things, but how do we do it? We realize we're doing it for the Lord's sake. And look at verse 15 as Bill's talking about. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Um so this being the will of God, again, you put in the silence uh the ignorance of foolish men. Today, just like then, they didn't understand all there was to know about Christianity. As I said, they thought some of them were cannibals at that time. Even today, we're in a cult. You, you look on any news, uh, news station and they describe uh, the Church of Christ, oh, it's that cult. I can remember when there was that incident uh, 
with a preacher and his wife of, of, of being shot, I can remember uh, watching a news station. They asked a member of a denomination that was there to describe who Church of Christ was. That made no sense to me to start with, but I sat there and listened to how they were describing it, and I thought, man, I'm, I'm part of a pretty awful group, evidently. I mean, we're weirdos. You know, how in the world we get like that? Because that's how they described it. You know, they had no idea. So again, if we're doing it for the Lord's sake, we're doing it because it's the Lord's will, and we're doing it the right way, you're going to stop those foolish and ignorant people because they're going to truly see who a Christian is. You know, just like he said earlier when he talks about how we were to live our life and we're, we're sojourners here and we fight against the flesh and, and stopping the mouths of these individuals who speak evil of you, the world's going to be speaking evil of us. So what do we do in this particular situation? Don't give them ammunition. Live like we're supposed to live. Be as peaceable as we can be. You can disagree with individuals, but you can still handle it as a Christian. We can't ever forget we're Christians first. Right? We're servants of God. We're doing the will of God first. We're doing it for the Lord's sake first. Everything else comes after that. I'm not American first. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not a, 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 you know, patriotic first. I'm a Christian first. And, and everything else is going to be dictated by that, or it should be. But unfortunately, sometimes that, that's not the case. And I, I think that's why Peter here is stressing this. Um, then we can go into and see that uh, it's, a, it's a great evangelistic tool to be able to live in a world to where everyone else is acting one way and we're acting some way different. It's going to cause them to stop and take notice. They may not say it, they may say it to themselves, why are they doing that? They may say it out loud, they may say it to you. To you, you know, why, why do you take that position? Why aren't you acting like this over here? Why aren't you acting that? So that gives you an opportunity to what? Spread the good news of the gospel. Now, I'm not saying we roll over. There, there's times, it doesn't mean I have to agree with everything. But, but it does mean that I act in a certain way if I'm disagreeing. I act in a certain way if I'm upset about something. I, I mean, think about it. You got three individuals that were about to be thrown in the fire. How did they act? You got one person that was going to be fed to lions. How did he act? You got other ones that were beat and then said, Don't you teach us anymore. And what did they do? They still went out and taught it. But how did they do it? What was their motivation for standing as they were standing, but doing it in the way in which they did it? Peter didn't give, I mean, Jesus didn't give in to government, but he submitted to it. He stood there and took it because there was a greater good involved. That wasn't the end-all, end-all. His purpose is what the end-all, end-all was. They didn't have any power on him. The government doesn't have any power over us. The ultimate power is God, right? That's who we're serving. So it's just like when the Bible tells, you know, slaves serve your masters or, or you know, you, you, you serve the, the workers serve the master, all these types of things. You do it to God. You don't do it for that person. I don't do it because I agree with everything that person does. I do it for God's sake, and I do it for the will of God. But notice he goes on here. Look in verse 16. Here's to me where it gets interesting. He says, As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak, for vice, but as a bondservants of God. We have an advantage 
that non-Christians don't have. We can live as people who are free. And that sounds strange, but we live as people that are free. Notice what the Bible says, Galatians 5 and 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Look in Galatians 5 and 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. John 8 and 32. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. John 8 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Non-Christians don't have that kind of freedom. See, we think freedom is without any rules, without any laws, without any boundaries. Is that really freedom? Is that the world that we want to live in? Do we want to live in a world that has no rules, no boundaries, no laws, no anything? If I lived in that world, would I truly be free to do anything I wanted to do? No, you wouldn't. I read, and I wish I could think back who actually wrote this. One of y'all may know. I've never heard this before. Someone described freedom like a fish. And they said, imagine a fish. A fish is in water, basically does anything it wants to do, right? Maybe that fish decides, you know, I'm free. I can do anything I want to. I've never been up on land. I'm going to get up on land, and I'm going to do anything I want to do. And that fish jumps up on land, and what happens to it? Starts flopping around, can't breathe, can't do. It's free to do that but it can't function. Now, it gets back in the water and it starts swimming and it does anything it wants to do within the boundaries of that water, within the boundaries of what it was designed to be in, right? That's where all the freedom is. It didn't have freedom to do anything it wanted anywhere it wanted to do it. It had the freedom, a fish can have the freedom to do anything it wants to do within the boundaries of the water. Well, that's what our freedom as Christians, to me, I couldn't find anything any better to describe it than that. We have freedom within the boundaries in which God has set for us. We get outside those boundaries. We don't really have boundaries. We don't really have freedom. Think about it. We're bound by those lustly lustly desires, those uh, uh, fleshly desires that Peter talked about earlier. Because here's what happens. I may want to do good to help someone, okay? If, If I'm not really following God, but I just want to help someone, I may not help them. I may not have the freedom to help it because I may be thinking, well, I'll help that person, but nobody may see me, so I may not get credit for it. I mean, think about that. But if I'm a Christian, I've got the freedom to help that person whether I get credit for it or not. See the difference? So there's a big difference within that. We can talk about all these things. So I'm free from those kinds of things that now I can do the things, much more things than I couldn't do before because I've got the freedom of Christ to do them because I'm not bound by these sinful desires that I would have that, I want to get credit for it, or I want someone to see me to do this, or I would do this, but, but we've got, we're tied to all of these. I'm not tied to that anymore because I do good because I do it for the Lord's sake because it's His will, not because it's my will anymore. So I'm free from all of those things. And that's what happens here. I, I may, my self-will may say, well, I don't want to obey government because I don't like them. I don't like what... Uh, the president's doing. I don't like what Congress's doing. I don't like what the Senate's doing. I don't like what the government's doing. I may not like all these. Well, now I've gone back to these desires to where I don't have that freedom to do what God wants me to do and know I need to live peacefully. I need to do the very best I can within the confines of what I'm dealing with. You know, there was a whole nation of Israel was in bondage, wouldn't they? What did they, how did they live there? God taught them how to live within that. 
you know, you, you start thinking about these things. It's not about, okay, I, I've got to agree with everything the president says. I've got to like everything he does. I've got to like everything the Congress passes. I've got to like. It's not about that at all. It's about what do I do when I don't, dis, when I don't agree? What do I do when, when I don't like the policies? When I don't like, how do I act? How do I talk? How, what do I engage in? How do I control my emotions? See, if I'm, I'm free now to do those things because I'm not bound by the emotions that I would have over here of getting mad and upset and angry. But if I've got my emotions under control, I'm free to do the things that God wants me to do. Over here, I didn't have the freedom to do that because I don't have my emotions under control. So that's what Peter is talking about here. You live within, these, within this world and you be that light that you're supposed to be and here's how you do it. Do good. Live good. Be good. Uh, live within peace that, that depends upon you, as the scriptures say. Let's jump ahead to verse 17 because I'm going to have to quit here. He says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now here's, here's I like how he ends this section. Honor all people. Remember, honor. Be praiseworthy. Be, uh, uh, you know, live in such a way to these individuals. Sorry, I didn't put that on silent. Uh, as these individuals, you live in such a way that you can be an example to those that are outside. And they're watching. So you be that example uh, to them. And I think that's a good thing because he says here, honor people, love the brotherhood. So he now says, especially to the brotherhood, here's how you treat them. You love them. How do you love them? Remember, love is an action. It's not an emotion. You treat them how they're supposed to be treated. You prefer them. You do good to them. You uh, encourage, you know, you, we made a choice to, to be in this brotherhood. Then he says two more things. Fear God, honor the king. He didn't say fear the king, did he? He said, fear God and honor the king. You honor the king, you, you live as you should, but you fear God because fearing God means that you're living the way that he sh should do and God is the one that has the ultimate power. The king doesn't have the ultimate power. It's God that has the ultimate power. So that's the one we serve, isn't it? And that's how we should serve it. So I encourage you to go back and read this and, and kind of study more into it. We just touched the as it said, the hem of the garment on this. So when we do, we need to realize that uh, maybe we need to rethink how we do things in our, in our everyday life. Are we living the way in which God uh, has us to live?